Salesflare and this is Founder Coffee. Every few weeks I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings in an intimate talk, getting to know the person behind the company. For this 47th episode, I talked to Will van der Zanden, founder and CEO of DuckSoup, one of the leading LinkedIn automation tools in the market. DuckSoup started when Will wanted to help his wife with reaching out to prospects for her business. As a developer, he built tools to scrape different sites like Yahoo, the Yellow Pages, and LinkedIn. And when he showed his software to other people, he got quite some interest going for the LinkedIn scraping, so he decided to specialize in this. Despite the uncertainty of building a tool on top of another platform, especially unofficially, DuckSoup has now been around for five years and has gathered over 60,000 users on its software. We talk about how to build a remote team, why DuckSoup mostly employs freelancers, why they price a product lower than competitors, how Chrome sets the internet standards, and why listening is a founder's most important skill. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hey, Will. It's great to have you on Founder Coffee. How are you doing? Well, very, uh, very kind to invite me to your uh, excellent podcast. Thank you. Uh, you're a co-founder of, of DuckSoup. Uh, for those who don't know yet what you guys do, please explain it uh, to the listeners. Yeah, sure. Yeah. DuckSoup is a, uh, uh, a software tool um, that helps you use LinkedIn for uh, the purpose of lead generation. So it helps you by automating tasks, by being able to grab data from LinkedIn and just generally automate, yeah, uh, automating the, the work in LinkedIn that you would otherwise do uh, manually. Yeah, what, what are some of the, the, the most common use cases uh, for which people use your software? The, the most common and the, most, the basic case is to use link, LinkedIn's internal notification system. And in that scenario, you would use DuckSoup. So you, you would first use LinkedIn to find a uh, group of uh, people as in your target audience. And then you would use DuckSoup to automatically and uh, at a pace that is uh, within sort of, well, what is humanly possible to avoid tripping up or upsetting LinkedIn. And then visiting each profile one by one, uh, triggering the uh, notification system. And by that way, getting, yeah, getting in touch with people who would be interested in your products or services. Yeah, so, so it's yeah. using LinkedIn as a, as a prospecting platform then. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but then specifically using uh, using the notification system in LinkedIn. So you would actually set up your uh, your profile in LinkedIn to make it clear on what products and services that you uh, that you offer, so that people who receive the notification uh, will be able uh, within that very uh, well very short sentence be able to tell what it is that you are uh, or that you could be helping them with. Yeah, so just visiting profiles, and then when people see that you visited their profile, they look and then they yeah, might and, be interested. And obviously, when you do that at scale, when you do that at thousands with thousands of people uh, each month, then if you have a, well, uh, let's say 5% of people actually then, uh, connecting with you, then you already have a lot of leads to, uh, to work with. Yeah. Um, okay. so that, that's the most yeah. basic scenario. Uh, then the next level up from, from that really is to, uh, to use well automation of DuckSoup to uh, automatically invite or to automatically message people in LinkedIn, 
And those messages uh, mm-hmm. are automatically personalized for a profile that you're uh, that you're targeting. Uh, so if uh, you would start with uh, a sales navigator search or a uh, search in regular LinkedIn, and start a robot, you type your message, start a robot, and then the robot will will send out the invites for you. Yeah, so you don't need to do that all manually. Yeah, exactly. you, you guys have been around for how many years now? Uh, over five years already. Five, five years. years? Yeah, I, I, I know of, of many LinkedIn tools that sort of uh, uh, came and then, and then went again. Yes. Uh, yeah. How is it that you guys uh, stay around, actually? Um, well, obviously being de- determined to make, it, uh, to make it work, but also being able... Uh, to well to deliver software that is is more than just uh, a gimmick. Uh, quite a few tools that were out there when we started, they well they weren't really, they weren't really very user friendly or they weren't really built uh, with a particular workflow in mind. Mm-hmm. And we really tried to make a difference by providing software that uh, yeah that does actually. Uh, think of how we, how the user would use this, um, and well, by doing that, we've really differentiated ourselves and managed to build up a huge a huge following of, and a, a huge customer base uh, of uh, of people who are yeah using the products on a day to day basis. Um, so I think it's really being determined to make it work and looking and listening uh, how we this how the product is used, uh, which allowed it to really. Well, to grow um, from only a few hundreds in the first year to over sixty thousand uh, users at the moment. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and 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 all of that without really upsetting LinkedIn. Um, I suppose that's partly because of the the limits that you guys really uh, put very clearly in the software with a lot of warnings when you want to to up them. Um, is that is that do you think? One of the main reasons why LinkedIn has not decided to ban you guys, or um, well, it's it's, uh, it's, um, it's not really up to LinkedIn to ban us, fortunately. Um, but oh, yeah, okay. we've we've we've, uh, we've added a lot of measures in DuckSoup. Uh, on the one hand, uh, measures to make sure that the pace at which the robot works is uh, as much uh, in line with what is humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Because you can obviously, a robot could just churn out uh, 100 uh, messages in an hour, uh, but that isn't something that you wouldn't really do. And it's uh, so we always aim to to really just to build something that automates uh, the human uh, process, but not uh, but not yeah uh, sort of over uh, overuse the the generosity of LinkedIn to. Uh, uh, to get upset LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. so on the one hand, it's building in those measures, but on the other hand, it's also, we've built in from the start and looked at technical measures to avoid uh, any sort of, well, technical detection by LinkedIn as well. So we worked on both those uh, areas. Yeah, yeah. I understood. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you started DuckSoup because you wanted to help your, your wife with one of her projects, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That's very good. Did you remember that as well? Um, uh, yeah, I think I read it on your website or so. I don't remember exactly. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's true. Yeah, my wife, my wife was um, setting up a, um, uh, a publishing publishing business, and she was aiming to get in touch with uh, different schools. And as part of that exercise, uh, we were trying to get a hold of uh, well, uh, of leads or contacts at schools to uh, to approach. And at first, we used a, um, a, 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 a well cheap labor from uh, cheap labor countries to uh, to do this manual uh, manually from different websites. But then, well, me being a software developer, I figured, well, surely. Uh, I can uh, just write a script to uh, to do this, which uh, which I did, and I started out building something that would spray uh, basically things like Yahoo when Yahoo was still a thing, um, Yellow Pages when the Yellow Pages still. I mean, that's how long ago it is, uh, and and when yeah when I started using it and showing it to people, it turned out that well that LinkedIn was. Definitely of interest to a much wider audience than uh, uh, than initially expected. Uh, so that's when I decided to uh, have a look and see what was on the market, and found that at that point the products that were out there uh, showed, clearly showed an interest of people to have something to work on LinkedIn. But well, the products were not, well; they, they were charging too much for too little functionality. And I, I thought, well, this is a good place to. Uh, to see if we can establish a uh, uh, well, establish ourselves as a as the leading uh, LinkedIn optimist tool. Yeah, oh, I, I I didn't know about that part of the story. Where actually you you built a, a whole series of scrapers and then ended up uh, specializing on LinkedIn. That's interesting. Yeah. Is 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 uh, DuckSoup your first startup company, or did you have startup companies in the past? Um, well, I worked for a, a startup in um, uh, in England for a, for a while as a as a developer, and um, after that, I did start uh, have a startup of my own uh, with a product called Swivel Script. Um, and I, before that time, even as in before my uh, professional career, I started. Well, I, I was trying different. Um, well, just basically coding up stuff, solutions that were um, hopefully useful. Uh, but it's really, it was, um, um, when I started with SwivelScript, uh, then I thought, well, SwivelScript was already a product in the uh, in a similar space of what DuckSoup does. It was more a, uh, a technical solution uh, where you could script uh, automations in the browser. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fairly difficult to sell meaning that people uh, basically couldn't get their hand or head around it, what it really did. Yeah. Uh, um, and, yeah, and that's, looking at that, I thought, well, and obviously still uh, um, very much uh, wanting to have some sort of product out there that uh, I could just build and, uh, and use for my own, uh, well, to make myself self-sufficient uh, at, the, at the very least. Uh, looking at ways of tweaking what I knew and what I had into something that people could just uh, install and use without too much uh, too much thinking. Yeah. So Squibble Script was basically like a sort of a Swiss Army knife, but people didn't know exactly how to <laughs> yeah. use it, and exactly. and now you're you're really 
basically making a scalpel uh, with duck soup. Really, really focus on one single thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the that's the um, the big difference, um, and it, it just makes it a lot easier for um, well for people to, to try it out. With Scribblescript, you couldn't really just install it and then try it. Um, you had to uh, basically be a developer really to do anything with it. But yeah. with DuckSoup, you can just as a, as an end user, if you read the blurb, say, "Oh, this this is what it does." You can just click on install, and within two or three clicks, you'll be actually using it. And uh, that was always key to make it to make that that sort of um, uh, that journey of the of the. Uh, of the customer as simple and as uh, short as possible from reading about the product to to using it. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, still I'm I'm personally a DuckSoup user as well. It still has a ton of functionality in there, but it's not it's not terribly unclear how it works. I mean, I, I it, it doesn't have the most modern design either, but it's it's very clear and like I I'm gonna do this and then that's gonna happen. Uh, I do appreciate that, yeah. yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you started Duck Soup all by yourself, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, basically, um, I started coding it um, in the evenings and in the weekends uh, until until we had enough users to uh, for me to uh, to quit my uh, my day job. Yeah. yeah. Um, how, about how many users was that? There must have been about, I think about 5,000 users, between five and 10 something. Is that 5,000 users who are paying a subscription or is that? No, 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 it's 5,000. So the way that, especially at the start, we really uh, tracked the the number of users um, is just by the number that you see in the Chrome Web Store, uh, which is in effect the number of uh, people that are, that have the extension installed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, but now you you are a team of four because I saw so I see four people on the website or is is it more than that? Yeah, it's more than that. So we have um, for for marketing we've got two people. And for the for our support team, there's uh, there's three, and then for professional services uh, and a new Giles uh, uh, joined uh, recently. Then uh, for QA, we have two more, and for uh, for development, there's another two, um, and well, and there's me. Um, I, I I lost count, ten to fifteen somewhere or. Yeah, well, to be honest, so, so all these people are all freelancers, uh, so the number of people sort of tends to fluctuate. So, yeah, it, <laughs> I know this sounds a bit harsh, but uh, it's, it's between 10 and 15, depending on, on the things that we're doing uh, from, uh, um, yeah, in, in the, if there's additional development required, uh, I'll get a few developers uh, temporarily on board. Um, but I would say the actual core people of who are always sort of within this expanding and and, uh, and shrinking. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah. So we have it, it's well, there's two in marketing. Uh, there's two in uh, a three in customer service. So that's five. Um, there is one in professional services. 
went in QA and from engineering, then I would do all the development myself. Yeah, well, that's still uh, impressive that with that amount of people, you're you're able to serve now 60,000 users. Um, are, yeah. are there any things you do to, to make that possible or? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, uh, so, well, basically, was from the start, when I was doing everything myself, uh, including support, uh, and including keeping, well, including the development, uh, including the uh, upkeep of the service, and uh, well, <laughs> basically everything that comes with it, uh, then you tend to realize that small change in a product can either increase or decrease your the loads in support or in uh, in product maintenance, um, etc. And from the start, I always had had the aim and when it made it a goal to, to make sure that that well that there was a minimal uh, support requirement. So that's also why the product was had to be easy to use. It had to be easy to install and uh, easy to upgrade and to manage your subscription. Uh, it had to be well easy for us to roll out uh, new releases. Um, and so uh, from every angle, really, uh, the product um, was as much zero maintenance as 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 I could get it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and the, the re reducing the amount of the help people need is definitely one of the major things you can do uh, with mm. your product. Uh, out of interest, what were you actually doing as a day job um, before you launched DuckSoup or, or while you launched DuckSoup actually? Oh, I was basically a freelance programmer uh, working for different, uh, yeah, different semi-government um, entities. So, yeah, just, uh, uh, as they call them in Holland, uh, a ZZP'er, um, doing development work, hiring uh, myself to, uh, uh, to run, uh, to help a project. Yeah, so self-employed already. But, but still, how, how did your life change from being a freelance developer to, to now leading your own software company? The, uh, well, the biggest change is that, well, is that uh, I now do everything from home. All my work uh, is all my all the, the whole team is there. Everyone works from home. We all get together remotely um, to discuss or to um, uh, just to uh, to update. So definitely, the, the amount of travel uh, went from well dr driving an hour up and an hour down every day uh, through traffic to uh, to yeah just. <laughs> Just not at all. Where you really have to go out of the house, just to make sure you get out of the house. Uh, as in, um, and that was really the biggest change. And with it, the uh, yeah, the, the sort of the lack of uh, social interactions that you have to fill with other uh, activities. It's uh, uh, that, yeah, that, that was definitely the biggest, uh, the biggest change. Yeah. Um, but for the good, I mean, also the, the one of the the biggest change uh, on the uh, on this as well is that. that Actually, working on a on a pro, on a product uh, where where you're in control and you're the one calling uh, or making decisions on what should what should go in and what shouldn't go in and what gets built first and what doesn't get built first. So the, the, there's no politics um, about uh, who wants what and um, 
as you, as many people I'm sure who are listening and who will work in uh, in uh, medium or large companies or for for the government will know that when a project or any activity gets done in, the, in those in those in those areas, there is always a lot of uh, time spent on sorting out the uh, the politics, really. And uh, yeah, I was glad that I um, <laughs> that that for for Dutch soup there is no, there's no politics anymore. Yeah, that's 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 also definitely one of the other, the things that I very much enjoy about leading a small company is that you don't have to deal with a whole ton of politics. So we try to keep it as much away as possible. It, yeah. it, it it also sounds like like you guys do some things in a in a pretty atypical way, like using a lot of um, freelancers instead of hiring people um, for for the, for the long term. Are there any? Uh, companies in, in, in that respect that you model yourselves after or that you look up to uh, when you when you do these kind of things? Um, no, I've read about a few companies. I remember reading about, um, I, can't, I can't think of the name, it was a company, uh, they, they did a, present, a presentation, an online, online meeting software, they were bought by Salesforce. Um, and I'm reading about it, so yeah, that, that, that sounds pretty much what I bought, the sort of environment that I would like to work in. There was two guys who founded, founded the company, uh, living in different cities. They only worked uh, remotely, and they built an entire company just as a remote company like that, uh, until they were uh, sold. Um, so if I'm, I wouldn't say that I modeled myself, but it, yeah, that didn't inspire me of thinking, well, there's definitely the way to... Uh, uh, the way to work and the way to uh, to build a company, especially uh, uh, well, a small company where you need all the flexibility that you can uh, get, where you can't really commit, especially uh, on Holland the, uh, with the, with the, uh, the laws around hiring people and firing people. Um, uh, just the cost of hiring people permanently is just, you know, the commitment is not something that, it's not a burden that you need if you don't even know if your if, if your product will last for half a year, right? But uh, or even even a month. Yeah. Uh, so coming from that sort of starting point of uh, maintaining uh, maximum flexibility, uh, there really is no other option than uh, yeah, getting freelancers in. And with the current state where basically everyone uh, has broadband uh, that is good enough to do online uh, meetings or, or just online, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just online get-togethers. Um, I mean, meeting sounds a bit too formal, <laughs> that's all. Uh, and with all the technology for, for software development where distributed uh, development is really straightforward, the deployment of software, is that's all in the cloud. I mean, um, if you don't have to commit to anything, any sort of permanent uh, expenditure, or, a, or a, a lump sum expenditure, then you avoid it. Then you just basically you you pay for what you use because you don't know if you will see the next uh, the next uh, day, so to speak. Yeah, understood. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's much better to keep everything variable, especially if you're a bit dependent from LinkedIn, perhaps. Absolutely, that that, that, that plays a plays a role as well, um, and. Yeah, at the start, a bigger role than, uh, well, yeah, a pretty big role. Uh, at the moment, it's, it's it now it's just such a mode of operation that uh, I don't see the need to really change the model. 
um, apart from maybe getting a few permanent hires in uh, just to uh, uh, make sure that the, the knowledge about the product and, um, and the business is, um, is secured in case, well, in case of, uh, well, in case of, I get overrun by a bus, as, uh, <laughs> as we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, what, what is it actually that, that keeps you up at night lately? Um, I'm just thinking about how about how uh, Duxhoop can improve and what areas um, uh, we should be spending our time on, and, um, and also which areas we should be possibly uh, dropping from the product. Um, so, as a, uh, I have a lot of interaction with uh, customers uh, in the uh, often in the support context, but also uh, customers who do webinars. And whenever you have a conversation with someone who either runs into an issue, then yeah, I should sort of I sort of mull it over and thinking, well, this is what they said, and yeah, just trying to place these things and uh, seeing how it can help or use that to improve the product. And uh, um, and yeah, uh, and basically make sure that Duxoup always stays relevant and always stays ahead of the curve. Yeah. So it sounds like you spend most of your time working on building the product and thinking about the product and conceiving the product and all that. Is that correct? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, um, uh, my, my background is um, is software development. I, I started software development. I'm from the era of um, when the eight bit uh, home computers were um, popular or when they um, yeah. yeah when they existed. So. Um, uh, that's when I started. Uh, I started working with computers and started the coding a bit. And so the coding is always the coding element has always been uh, the part I enjoy most. <laughs> um, and then second, well, apart from that, later on, especially coding something that people use. I remember one project from years ago, one of my first jobs. I remember we had a project we spent, I don't know, I think nine months with a team of uh, somewhere between six and ten people. Uh, building a solution that just got canned the day it got released. Um, and I thought it was shocking that there was so much uh, work uh, that was going in also from all areas. That, that uh, I guess since then I did also, apart from coding, um, really felt that you can't just code for the sake of code. But well, you can do that, obviously, it's, it's, if it's your time. But um, uh, that if your code isn't used, if, if there's no customer, to use your product or to uh, to run your script or whatever, then you might not, might as well not have written the script, right? And at least from my perspective and in the way that I approach that. And so, so yes, the, later on I really got more that the coding in the context of uh, of something that doesn't be useful for someone. <laughs> um, so and then when I started building. You obviously end up having to do a lot more, like uh, well, like the deployment, the marketing, basically, well, everything that that, that comes with uh, with the business. And yeah, it, it starts you do it yourself. Um, and as as Duxon grew, I just well, I remember first the first thing I did was uh, move move the support for a function, uh, or get get a permanent or well, a, a freelancer, but. Uh, uh, a full-time uh, employee to handle the support, um, but also actually on the accounting and the um, uh, on the and then later on the on the marketing. 
and so it's really just yeah for me just basically pushing out also the testing, uh, pushing out all the functions that where I wasn't really adding much value, and also to be honest that I didn't find to be that interesting. Uh, so that just leaves me with products, uh, well with actual software development, but also the, the product uh, product management, basically those two uh, parts. Yeah, and, and, and related to that, I have a question for your fellow uh, technical solo founders. How is it in the early days that you approached sales and marketing? And what would, would be the advice that you give to, to fellow uh, like solo founders that, are, that come from a technical background? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the advice that I would give them is, that, is to, uh, to build some plot. Uh, uh, the, uh, the so the when you build a product, when you have, you always have a sort of vision. In, well, this is what the product is supposed to do, and you should always build towards a vision. But when you start delivering a product and put it in the market, um, then and the, then you should really see what the market does with it. If the market does not respond to your product, then you can't blame the market. Uh, you have to blame yourself for building something that nobody wants, and uh, as painful as that might be. The, the sooner you realize that and start seeing what sort of changes you can make, uh, the less painful the journey will be. Uh, so I would say, yeah, make sure that uh, <laughs> to build something to work what you believe in, uh, test it out, and then change it as, as much or as quickly as you can to into something that people actually uh, want to use. Yeah, and, and 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 maybe related to that because that's 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 still a bit about product. I would say. Mm. Uh, did you did you very much take the build it and they will come approach like like I I built something and it will grow by itself or were there specific things you did to actually accelerate that growth? Um, well, no, it was it was sort of the the, the strategy of uh, of the go to market was one, one was 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 around um, uh, basically building something that. Well, that does something that we know people want, and because we saw that there was a uh, there were LinkedIn automation products that were being bought, and there was a an actual um, demand for that sort of product, uh, to price it as such uh, in such a way that um, which uh, which in effect was about a third to a quarter of what the uh, the going rate was, or even less than fifth. Uh, so that's that the pricing was a real uh, way of, of breaking open that sort of tiny uh, tiny market that existed. Uh, so that was one of one uh, element. The other element was to to get involved with um, a few of the LinkedIn, um, um, uh, what you call them, these trainers or speakers, especially the people, the earlier the earlier doubles of LinkedIn in, in um, for social selling, um, and to get in touch with them to. Uh, well, to try the product and uh, just to make sure that they were aware of the product. Uh, quite often, these guys uh, were quite keen on seeing what else was uh, being developed uh, because it also meant for them that they uh, were uh, well always ahead of their uh, competition in terms of what they knew was uh, that was coming on the market. Um, and yeah, approaching a few of those guys, we definitely uh, uh, gained some traction in uh, uh, by having uh, them speak and also write about uh, about the software. Yeah, so easy to use products, uh, price it low so it can gain market share uh, and talk to influencers. That's sort of how I need to summarize it. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, what what in all this is is sort of your what gives you energy and why you why you work on Doc Soup every day? Well, the um, the the thing that gives me energy is uh, especially when when there's a new development of uh, uh, in the products that we're uh, that we worked on for uh, for a while and the last. The last big development uh, that we did was the uh, the dashboard uh, showing the uh, the statistics of your uh, campaigns, and then uh, yeah, just hearing back from customers uh, being really happy about about the uh, features, all saying well, maybe put this. Just getting feedback, um, well, both con uh, uh, both positive, but also well, let's say constructive uh, criticism, but just be just. Uh, see that, that what you built, and I, uh, maybe I sound like <laughs> uh, a, a broken record, but um, uh, that when, once you build something that you think is, is a cool feature or that does something cool, and then you put it out there, and then actually get get people to just get in touch with you to tell them, uh, tell you about uh, what they think. Um, uh, like I said, I, I've worked years also on other projects where you just build stuff and you build and you build and you, you hear zero from you. You don't hear zero, maybe one or two peeps from a customer. And just getting all this feedback and all this, uh, just having all this momentum with uh, with the community. Uh, yeah, that, I would say that is the biggest, uh, the, the, for me, the biggest thing really about uh, what makes me happy about doing all this. Yeah, so building stuff and, and seeing that people care about it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, yeah. You, you, you mentioned that you um, work from home from the start. At first, you were doing a day job and then duck soup on the side. Uh, but now it's like uh, every day working from home with the team remotely. Uh, how do you sort of manage work and life? Uh, do you put clear barriers between the two? Like, is there a, a work time and a, and a and a lifetime, or is this is this sort of Overflowing in each other, or how do you how do you manage that? Um, well, there is definitely an, an overlap. I, I do try to. Well, I have a basic sort of schedule for my day, um, uh, so it's not a very tight schedule. Just a, a, an intention of uh, first. Well, actually, first. Uh, um, although now my oldest daughter uh, has now started cycling to school, so that is one less uh, um, family task uh, on my list uh, in the morning. Uh, but otherwise, I'll be shuttling the kids to school. Uh, then when I when I get in, check my mail like everyone else. And generally speaking, uh, then I do about uh, one or two hours of product development. Um, then I have lunch. Then uh, check up with my support team. Um, in the afternoon, do, uh, do uh, an hour of support, support tickets or support calls. And then towards the end, uh, answer some emails or, uh, or yeah, to do some sort of some sort of writing. Uh, so in the morning, I do more the yeah the coding, and in the afternoon, more the communications, less writing. And that's generally what I do every day. And uh, obviously, depending on what our main activities are, if there is a certain marketing uh, event uh, happening, or if certain content needs producing, then I end up spending more on the creative. Uh, or creating content uh, element, or, or then uh, actually creating or doing coding. Um, but as a general rule, that's how I, I sort of break down the, uh, the day. Uh, the overlap, definitely. I mean, in the evenings, I often still uh, 
uh, do a bit of a bit of work, either what is a particular feature that I, that I like or that I just <laughs> that I like working on, or when uh, when LinkedIn has an update uh, that needs to be uh, needs to be addressed, um, or when there's a certain influx of support tickets that uh, indicates some some other issue in the product that needs fixing. So some bug fixing in the evening would also be done. Um, and so there's definitely, and in the weekends, I would say I would spend about half the weekend also doing work-related things. And on holidays, I would say I would spend about <laughs> probably about two to four hours a day working, uh, uh, doing, uh, yeah, just catching up with the team and uh, making sure that everything runs uh, smoothly. So for me, the, 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 the work, well, there is no real separation really between my work life and my private life. It's all one big uh, mush, as they uh, as they call it, um, and I, I, I quite enjoy that uh, not having this sort of strict separation. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of time spent on on, on work. It, it seems. How, how do you how do you sort of stay mentally and physically fit while while taking on this amount of workload? Do you do yeah, anything? Well, I mean, so the one so the one area is if I'm not really seeing it as work. Um, I, I, I basically, by by pushing out everything in the in the business that I don't sort of enjoy naturally, uh, or most things that I do, I just enjoy doing them. So that, that really helps. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I do about uh, one hour of of some sort of cardio exercise each day just to uh, make sure that I don't uh, turn into a job at a hut. Um, and yeah, every every couple of weeks, uh, meet up with some people in there to have some drinks, just to uh, blow off some steam and just well to get out of my toxic bubble. Um, to uh, yeah, to make to just to see some other parts of the world. Uh, although now with uh, the whole uh, Corona uh, crisis, that element well, it's a bit better now, but uh, in the past few months, that element really uh, uh, well, was no longer vi- uh, possible. Uh, we, we tend to do quite a bit of traveling as well as a family. And then, then, like I said, I still do a bit of work, but it also it's just good to, well, just to see other places and other people, even though uh, you're working in the meantime as well. So, uh, yeah, I would say travel, a bit of exercise, going to the pub. And, and yeah, I do like going to concerts as well, which is also impossible at the moment. Yeah. So, what, what, what sort of concerts do you like to go to? Uh, I, I quite like... Uh, Alternative rock, the one with the, uh, uh, I think it's, it's called stoner uh, metal the, or stoner rock. Um, I quite enjoy this genre, <laughs> uh, but also uh, yeah, hip hop um, and electro drum bass. Yeah, just well, most things that um, that that play in like venues of uh, around between five and eight hundred people, uh, where the musicians are. Uh, yeah, clearly, really into uh, what they're doing. The dance creator really uh, a real uh, nice atmosphere. Yeah, where are you based? Um, yeah, come here yourself and with Duck Soup. <laughs> I'm in uh, in Breda. Breda, that's uh, for uh, the international listeners, uh, very close to the border with Belgium yeah. in the Netherlands. Exactly. Especially uh, Antwerp is. Um, is only a forty-minute drive, and Rotterdam is about half an hour. So uh, yeah. in Amsterdam, because everyone knows Amsterdam is about an hour, but then again, most places in Holland are about one hour from Amsterdam. So. Yeah, 
But is there a lot of startups in Breda? I, uh, I, I personally don't know. Uh, there are quite, a, yeah. There's quite, there's quite a big, uh, a bigish community. Which, uh, to be fair, I'm, I don't really, um, I don't really mix with, uh, not on purpose or anything. But uh, it's only later on that I realized that there was a, a community, uh, mainly via um, a guy called Gino from. Uh, uh, Gino Tasselaar. Yeah, Gino Tasselaar. Yeah, he's actually an, uh, mm-hmm. Pascal um, from the Steen. Yeah, Pascal van Steen. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike Group. I also know them. <laughs> Spike Group, they call So they're from Etteleur. Um, and uh, I met up with Gino uh, once here in Breda. And he told me that, um, yeah, that, that this actually, because he, he's in uh, Amsterdam, but he's thinking of coming back as well because there's quite a lot to do in Breda. Yeah, uh, cool. Before we sort of switch uh, into uh, learnings like books and stuff, uh, a question I still want to cover. Uh, where does the name duck soup come from? Duck soup. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, um, it basically comes from, uh, well, there's an expression uh, in, in English. Um, and when you Google it, you will find it. It's, uh, it's called something as, as easy as duck soup. Which basically means that ah, it's okay. something that if you, yeah. Uh, and there's also a movie um, from the 60s, I think, um, uh, that uses the um, uh, duck soup in that uh, meaning. So, yeah, there was the easiest duck soup, um, which is something that is, that is easy or seemingly easy to do. And then, the, so that's by duck soup. And then the X uh, represents uh, Excel. So, because the uh, it was especially about downloading, or a big element of the product was downloading data from uh, LinkedIn into a, into a structured format, into a, into a spreadsheet. Uh, yeah. so that's what the X, uh, what the X is there. Got it. I never understood that. Uh, I, I just, I saw the duck and I thought, sure, soup, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, okay, it's, cool. it's, uh, and it's, uh, yeah, well, my wife also actually came up with that one, and uh, it really stuck. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, just like the imagery of the duck, um, and it's, yeah, so we um, uh, we are happy now that we have lots of, uh, yeah, of ducks, uh, duck supers who, uh, who are uh, really enjoying the duck. <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 going into learnings. Uh, what's the the latest good book you've read, and and why did you choose to read it? <laughs> yeah, and here's my um, <clears throat> probably one of the bad examples here, but uh, but I, I really don't read any books. Okay. Yeah, the the, latest, the last book zero or yeah, I think but just just about zero. Um, even well, so I, I, well, when I still had time to read books, I think I still I read books like. Uh, uh, generally non-fiction or uh, or a comedy, uh, mm-hmm. as, but this is years ago. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I haven't read any any real book in uh, yeah uh, probably in fifteen or maybe twenty years. Uh, alternate question then: Do do you do anything else to keep learning? Like, do you follow things on social media, or do you listen to podcasts, or specific blogs you follow, or what is what is something uh, that you're reading that you would or listening to or whatever uh, that you'd really recommend to other people? 
Um, what do I? Um, the things that I that I read are, are they are even are generally well. Uh, there is a website called the Register, which is uh, you might not know it. It's uh, an English uh, a technology website. Um, mm -hmm. I read. Uh, oh, I used to read the Wired, which I quite liked, um, and they do sometimes still have good interviews with uh, or interesting interviews with uh, people who've done interesting things. Um, but I, I, I can't really say that, that, that in my in my routine or in my day to day uh, sort of uh, life, I read the news, I follow the news, and uh, uh, um, whatever there's new technology that I, that I hear about uh, in uh, or via communication with my team or just by reading reading the news, then I'll uh, dig into that. But um, I don't yeah. really I don't really have any sort of uh, Start start up the uh, or the sort of yeah websites or blogs that I really follow. I say you should really go and uh, and spend some spend some time there. Yeah, no worries. It also doesn't have to be startup. -y. It could be uh, anything else that inspires you. But I would say uh, uh, Spotify. <laughs> I spend most of my time on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music. Music, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, well. is, there, is there anything you wish you, you would have known when you started out with Duck Soup uh, five years ago? Um, well, what I would have liked in, well, maybe known that, um, although I'm not sure it would have made much difference, is that how much of a stranglehold uh, Google has on, on Chrome and on the, uh, the development of web standards, which, um, Mm -hmm. uh, it can be a real, a real pain. Uh, as a product, we fight a lot against, well, or fight. Uh, we have to build stuff that caters for changes in LinkedIn, but also changes in Chrome. Um, and yeah, that can be a real pain. I mean, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. The, when Google thinks, for example, uh, that it's a good idea to, well, now more recently, for, I don't know if you noticed the, uh, uh, the, 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 the different cookie spec that uh, changed the way that uh, that cookies are automatically sent. Um, mm -hmm. I heard uh, something about it, yeah. Yeah, the, the same site uh, attribute. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have to do some changes too. Yeah, 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 you and uh, many other companies. And uh, I think a lot of the, yeah, and this, this is just one example of many, where you think that, yeah, that it shouldn't really be Google who, who's making these uh, decisions. But now, because Chrome is now such a, as in, it is just closing down the openness of the of the uh, of the web. And I think uh, maybe this is this is more <laughs> a more fundamental uh, problem of uh, of this of the current development that because Chrome is really. Especially with the Chromium alternatives, is becoming a this de facto standard for uh, for website for web development. That the HTML spec and everything around it becomes sort of secondary, and it's just Google calling the shots, and I think it's just bad. So I think yeah. Um, but <laughs> if I knew differently, uh, or if I knew better, uh, so many years ago, uh, it wouldn't really have changed. Uh, 
No, yeah, your your, your impact on Google is probably not. Uh, not... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I'm not much sure what has impact on Google, but uh, uh, no, they uh, they don't seem to have a very good uh, way of um, of, uh, of of communicating with their uh, with their paying customers. Uh, yeah, which is yeah, which is so. But that's I mean, that's on the one hand, it also creates the opportunity. Obviously, uh, Chrome being a platform. <laughs> Where you can build something, uh, an extension like DuckSoup, uh, you couldn't have done it if uh, you would, if you still had the uh, all the different standards for for building extensions and and all the different um, uh, subtleties with the HTML implementation. So uh, the fact that it is that Chrome is the platform also created the opportunity. Uh, so that's a bit of a it's a two. Uh, what do you call it? The two. Um, Two-edged sword. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but apart yeah. from that, no, there is um, uh, no. I'm just happy that um, that I just uh, yeah that I just did, it and I'm happy that it, uh, it succeeded. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Final question: uh, What is the, the the best piece of business advice that you ever received? Or something that you would uh, like to share with uh, with our fellow listeners, mostly SaaS founders. You can uh, you can think of mm -hmm. startup founders. Uh, what is one thing you would like to share with them that uh, that you find valuable? Um, to uh, uh, yeah, to to always uh, to keep to stay critical of uh, of what you're doing and and really critical and. Uh, not well, not and I've said it before, but not to build something and and to call the or to, to and if nobody understands it, to say, well, it's it their loss. No, it's not. It's not their loss. So uh, if you build something, uh, just make sure that you always uh, listen and, uh, and and understand how people are using it. And if they aren't, then why not? Uh, because if you don't listen, uh, nobody's going to be. Uh, using the software yeah so so keep listening and take responsibility when things uh, sort yeah. of go a different direction and don't take it personally and don't take it personally no that's that's, that's it, great it, advice yeah it's very tricky but I, I know for a lot of if you're a, a, a techie like myself uh, you can be quite stubborn which is which can be a good thing um, and but yeah it's 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 not about you. It's about yeah. It's about the customer. So exactly. Cool. Thank you cool. again, Will, for being on Finder Coffee. Uh, it was really great to have you. Well, thanks for uh, having me, uh, Jeroen. That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys. 